and welcome to the Beyond Sustainability podcast, the podcast all about today's environmental challenges and how to solve them, brought to you by Newfields Environmental Consultants. I'm your host, Richard Williams, and in this podcast, we are going to get down and dirty with waste, particularly landfill waste and how to manage it. Now, according to figures by the World Bank, we generate around 2 billion tonnes of municipal solid waste globally each year. And at least one third of this is not managed in an environmentally safe manner. In fact, 37% of this waste ends up in some form of landfill, of which only a small fraction are considered sanitary. Now, around 40% of our waste is made up of plastic only a fifth of which gets recycled worldwide and less than half that number in the US, which is the largest consumer of plastic, followed closely by the UK. Most plastic ends up in huge waste dumps that slowly leak microplastics into our rivers and oceans. And unfortunately, this problem is only getting worse. The World Bank predicts that by 2050, as a planet, we will be generating around 60% more waste than we do now. However, there are solutions. There are a number of companies currently looking at ways in which our municipal waste can be transformed into usable products, such as turning plastics back into hydrocarbons as an alternative to fossil fuels, as well as converting sewage sludge, agricultural waste and other organic waste into biochar, which has a number of beneficial uses, including in land remediation. Here to discuss these issues and how to solve them are Dr. Ray Cronquist, who is the president of the non-profit group Army of Volunteers for Earth and president and board member of Chemists Without Borders. And joining him is Mr. Kevin Hull, CEO of Emergent Waste Solutions, a company that is looking to solve global waste challenges by using innovative technologies to generate products from our waste. Ray, Kevin, thank you both for joining me. Pleasure to be here, Richard. Glad to be here. So, Ray, I'm going to come to you first. Can you briefly outline what our current uh, problems are with, with global waste management? Well, from my, from my point of view, I've been working on the problem of climate change for the last uh, five years or so. And um, <clears throat> that's caused by the emission of greenhouse gases by the burning of fossil fuels and some agricultural practices. And uh, a significant part of the um, greenhouse gas emissions are, are from landfills where the organic material sits and decays. And of course, when the carbon's <clears throat> uh, released, it combines with oxygen, goes back to CO2, or even worse with methane. So um, this is why I've been <clears throat> interested in working with Kevin, because he has a technology that, that eliminates the need for landfills by processing municipal waste with his technology. So. Kevin, the standard, almost the standard procedure for, for managing waste globally has been landfill. Um, and that in itself is unsustainable. What have uh, you been working on in order to try and prevent or reduce the amount of stuff going to landfill? Uh, thanks, Richard. So what we've done at our end is, is we sought out the world's best technology on dealing with waste material and dealing with it in a sustainable way without creating undesirable byproducts and uh, uh, unforeseen complications. We happened upon a technology that was actually developed by a Russian gentleman, a doctor, 
he has developed the world's leading technology on thermolysis. Now, thermolysis is a process whereby carbon-based material is brought to a high temperature in the absence of oxygen. So no oxygen, obviously no combustion, no incineration. So what happens with this high temperature and waste material combination then if it's not going to burn? Well, it actually cracks at the molecular level and separates that waste into three constituent elements, a gas, synthesized gas, an oil, and a solid carbon product. Now, these three products um, need to be kept separate after they have gone through the thermolytic process and been, been separated out from each other. They need to be kept separate, and that's one of the aspects of the technology that's been hard to, hard to solve, and thereby pyrolysis has had some spectacular failures in the past, uh, gotten a bit of a bad name. Um, and you'll note I used the term pyrolysis where I first said thermolysis. Pyrolysis is a misnomer, pyro referring, referring to fire. Uh, fire should not be a part of the process. Uh, it's merely high temperature, it's just thermal. However, the world uh, looks and sees pyrolysis. That's what they're familiar with. So these terms I might use interchangeably a bit here, but uh, thermolysis is the accurate description. Now, having gone down that rabbit trail for a while, let me come back to say that thermolysis, <laughs> this process of high temperature in the absence of oxygen, uh, does a marvelous job of killing off all pathogens, viruses, etc., that would be in uh, the waste material. Uh, even pharmaceuticals, studies done out of the UK have actually shown that for 17 of the most uh, volatile pharmaceuticals, um, 10 of them were 98% removed by the thermolysis process, while the other seven were 94% removed. So where we hear about fish off the coast of uh, Washington State, off of Seattle, um, having cocaine in their systems, things of that nature, uh, we're going to eliminate that. Now, the only thing that gets through on our system is heavy metals. But the heavy metals, in turn, are bound up in the porous structure of the carbon product that we get from the uh, thermolysis process. And that heavy metal in studies done in five different countries, seven different universities, those heavy metals have been shown to be trapped actually in that carbon. The carbon is called biochar. And when vegetation, um, vegetables are grown in that biochar, the heavy metals are not drawn up into the roots and stalks and fruit of that vegetation. They're trapped in the, in the biochar. So let me just recap that. We have a process whereby with a high temperature in the absence of oxygen, we get rid of all the micropollutants, um, which include microplastics. We get rid of the hormones, viruses, uh, bacteria, etc. So we're creating a very clean byproduct 
And the biochar itself has marvelous uh, advantages in an agricultural setting. It can reduce watering by as much as one third. So in a drought stricken world, we have the means of really uh, cutting back on the necessary watering. Um, the waste itself uh, needs to be sorted before it comes into our system. And that waste uh, needs to get out the metal, the glass and the rocks, which are the only things we can't process. Ideally, we would like to take the plastics and tires out so that we can build separate plants that are especially tuned to handle the plastics and the tires. And when I say specially tuned, they're, they're geared such that we get the optimal output from the plastic and tires, giving us the best value for that. That was all the answer to one question. I wonder if you have a second. <laughs> Well, thanks so much. So the idea here is that you're taking this uh, municipal waste, which typically is about 44% plastic, um, as well as a mixture of other paper and card, uh, foodstuffs and, and, and various other uh, waste. But you're able to take the plastic from uh, waste streams and convert it into a, a usable product, essentially. Absolutely. And, and there's marvelous yeah. sorting equipment out there that will remove the plastics from the municipal waste. Um, they've, they've done, not exclusively so, but uh, Germany and Austria uh, have done really good uh, development in these sorting systems. So certainly the plastics can be removed. So in, how does this diff, I mean, I think I already know the answer, but the, you know, one way to prevent uh, microplastics getting into the environment is obviously to, to burn them, to destroy them. Um, in some form. Uh, it sounds like thermolysis can do that, but instead of just completely getting rid of it, you're, you're breaking down those, micro, those plastic um, molecules and, and create and, and turning them into, like I say, a gas, a solid product, and a li liquid product. Is, is, is that right? Is that uh, marvelous. Yeah. yeah, really, really well explained. Uh, How the does the how does the uh, so you mentioned, mentioned that the actual solid product is like a biochar, um, which can be used in things like agriculture as well as remediation, things like that, almost like a similar to activated carbon in some respects to, to, to lock away those, those products here. The what about the gas and the liquid? What, what are they? Are they are, are they sort of a beneficial product? Well, in the first plants that we built, we use the gas in a circular way to heat the reactors. So the reactor is sitting in a furnace and the gas is used to create the fire around the reactors to bring the temperature up. So it's circular in that we create our own fuel. However, what we are uh, aiming to do in our next iteration is to use solar arrays to gather uh, the necessary electricity to heat our reactors electrically. That frees up the gas for other applications. The most obvious application is to generate electricity with it. And in settings where the price of uh, electricity is high, certainly that's a very good uh, and viable use for the gas. Uh, also something that we're looking at is fuel cells, whereby we can actually uh, provide the fuel for fuel cells 
from the syngas we've created. Now, the, the, the liquids that you re referenced in the situation with plastics, we're getting a, a light diesel. Um, it's graded as a number two home heating oil. So by reclaiming that back from the plastics, we can reduce the amount of fossil fuels uh, extracted from the earth. Uh, where we're not doing plastics and we're doing municipal waste, uh, rubbish, uh, then we're going to get a bio oil. And again, that can be used to generate electricity. It can be further refined for other applications. Okay. Are these, these products are comparable to, you, know, you said, uh, like a, a, a diesel or, or any other fuel that we should use for heating homes and that sort of thing. The, 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 the gas you get off it, is it, is it essentially methane or is it a... It's a methane and hydrogen uh, okay. combination, primarily. There's uh, other elements there, but uh, those are the two. Ah, oh, fantastic. Okay. Incineration, if I may, Richard, uh, it, it's a better solution, I suppose, than putting uh, the rubbish in the earth where it can leach into soils, where it can attract pests, uh, etc. Um, however, incineration plants where they don't have a great deal invested in filtering what comes out are actually putting a lot of pollutants in the air. Mm. And secondarily, virtually none of the incineration plants are doing anything about CO2, about climate emissions. Whereas with our process, that biochar we've been referencing that traps the heavy metals, that also keeps its greenhouse gases locked in. So that's so essentially a see. sink almost, like a, yeah. a, a carbon-based product that won't, that is stable and won't, won't. Exactly. They stay stable for, stay stable for anywhere from a thousand to 2000 years. So we can have uh, an impact where otherwise with landfills or with incineration, you're releasing 100% of the greenhouse gases over time. Mm -hmm. We can cut that by almost a third. So what, so what, what can be processed by this method? Because we're talking about plastics, but what, what other um, products can be, can be used sure. here? So we can, we can take the plastics, we can take the tires. Um, we strip the metal out of the tires first and wash off any, uh, any sand and, and, and rocks. Uh, but all the rest of it, it's easier to say, what can't we take? We don't take the metal, the glass, and the rocks, and that's it. So everything else in municipal waste, be it uh, bits of wood or, uh, of course, all the uh, digestibles, compostables, all of that, um, paper, cardboard, all that miscellaneous stuff that when you go to do your recycling, you're left looking at it and thinking, gosh, that, where does that go? Uh, all of that goes to our system. What about then pollutants? So saying you, you, it sounds like a really good way of taking this material should normally be landfilled and, and reusing it, find, find a good use for it. What, what about pollutants though? I, I, what, what sort of emissions are you creating through this process? Uh, we have hardly measurable uh, emissions. Uh, our emissions, um, uh, particularly as we 
look to switch over to solar uh, powered reactors. Um, the pollutants will be not measurable. Uh, whatever is done with the syngas, when we pass it on to who will use it, whether that's for electrical generation or for fuel cells, whatever's done with that syngas may create some emissions at that juncture, but then that's up to uh, how well we filter those emissions. Now, biochar, you mentioned uh, it in contrast to activated carbon, it, it's actually a low-grade activated carbon if the biochar is of good quality. And in fact, our, our plants come with a, an additional reactor that we can introduce the biochar to, and from that, create activated carbon. So that's how close our biochar is to activated carbon. That enables us to make our own filters. So where we have the need to filter, whether it be water or, uh, or emissions, we have the means to create those filters. So essentially, it's between the gas and the biochar creation, it's it's got its own its own feedstocks as well as being able to produce. Um, a, no, it, the products that you're producing are they economically viable compared to more standard products? That's that's a terrific question. Where we see the use of incineration in the Western setting, certainly North America and uh, Europe, uh, that incineration is designed to get rid of the waste. So there's there's really not a thought toward its economic modeling. There's an assumption, just as with landfill, that the government, uh, the people, are going to pay for that. So the economics of incineration are similar to that of, uh, of landfill. The people pay year after year. Um, where we turn that around is that we actually have a product that's got value and so much so that the people not only don't have to pay for it, but what they are paying currently for their waste management will be reduced. So we can go into a municipality literally and say, look, you don't have to put up any money. The CapEx, capital expenditures for this project, that's not on you. We need a long-term contract from you to manage the waste. And in the same way that you're paying annually in your budget for waste management, we will receive some of that. But we're not going to add to your cost and we're going to eliminate all these environmental challenges that you're bringing up with your current methodologies. And that's because of the value primarily of the biochar, but also in uh, jurisdictions where electricity is expensive, we can now generate electricity from that, as incineration can do. But unless you're doing uh, methane capture methodologies with landfills, you're not going to generate electricity with a landfill. I just want to quickly discuss the scalability of the system. The amount of waste generated, say daily, monthly, whatever, by a municipality, um, is say one plant capable of managing that volume of waste coming in? What what's the sort of ratio? How much how much waste could you deal with versus how much waste municipality generates? So what we've done is developed our technology in a modular fashion, and where we have uh, larger volumes, we add modules. We share some infrastructure. We share some 
pre-processing, post-processing. Uh, so there's uh, an efficiency in that. Uh, but we just throw on another bank of reactors when we need to do more volume. Our base plant, if you will, uh, processes uh, approximately 1,300 kgs per hour. And so we're looking at, uh, let's say, um, 30 tons in a day. Um, now that base model then, um, we double that up immediately with uh, our next model. And then we just add the modules. So we can handle very large municipalities and we handle small municipalities. Okay. So I want to bring in Ray now. Um, Ray, I understand with the Army of Volunteers for Earth uh, group that, you, that you're president of, you are working with uh, Kevin as well as a number of other um, companies and technologies to expand these principles and these ideas and, and this technology uh, worldwide and try and get it as far as it, you know, as far as it can to try and help counter the global waste situation. Um, what are you doing to help reach all, all the prospective customers for this technology? Well, the, the, the basic model is that uh, we need to combat climate change, a lot of breakthrough technologies and their companies uh, are coming out with these. Kevin is really our first partner. Uh, we'll be expanding with, um, soon to, uh, with a lot of other manufacturers and products and technologies. But basically, we uh, recruit volunteers to go out and tell the story. For example, Kevin's story is that he has a, um, a great uh, technology for handling the municipal waste, and um, uh, it, it can be paid for by the profits from running the operation, the products that it creates and the electricity that it generates. And so um, a, a developing country with very little cash resources can have, can, can sign an agreement to, to uh, pay for the electricity and uh, brokers can sign agreements to, um, to uh, take by the, the products produced, the activated carbon, the biochar, Carbon Black what, what, uh, and others, uh, and, and and that then a funder uh, can see the income stream and provide the money, the investment money for ma manufacturing the equipment. And we tell this story then to the, um, the various municipalities and various countries where we're working. We do this to the, vol to the volunteers that we recruit. So how how do you recruit those volunteers? If somebody wanted to volunteer, what would they? How would they do? Well, first of all, um, it's a very inspirational um, project. Basically, what we're trying to do is save the earth, because uh, this is a contribution. This is a, a a way of combating climate change by by uh, uh, the um, reducing the amount of uh, greenhouse gases that are emitted from the municipal waste. And we will have other technologies we promote that that combat climate change in other ways. But someone can, and everyone sees in the news the problem of climate change and how it can really lead to the end of our species. Uh, but it's difficult to find what can we do as individuals. And this is a, uh, a project that an individual can volunteer for, can lock into, and, and really make a, a significant contribution. And the other, the other, the other part of the story is that uh, the changes that are going to be um, 
occurring in the in in the in the in the in the, in the technology, the economy, the society uh, over the next couple of decades are enormous, and our volunteers can be on the cutting edge of these changes, and this will have impacts on their career. They, uh, they'll have the chance for better jobs. Uh, some of them will start companies. Other companies that don't keep up will fail. So <clears throat> someone volunteering to be part of this process, process this project, can, can, can advance their career in ways that they couldn't and, you know, in, in other ways. Well, what sort of person are you, look, are you looking to volunteer? Are you, are you looking for people who are in the environmental field already? Are they, is it ideal to be a certain age or, or what, what sort of... Uh... A lot of the volunteers are students. Uh, we also have volunteers who are retired professionals or already working in their careers. Um, it's, uh, I, I, basically, I, I've been working in this, um, on this pro problem with Clemens Without Borders for a number of years, but I wanted an organization that to attract more than just chemists. Basically, we need people of all backgrounds. And this is what Army of Volunteers for Earth is uh, dedicated to do, take people of all backgrounds and find a, a slot for them where they can fit into this project. So there, the, what we're planning to do is, is, um, is build up this Army of Volunteers to cover really all the countries in the world eventually. And, and the, the steps we, we're going through, first we're going to be putting in together a, some recruiting teams, okay? Uh, one of the teams will will be responsible for uh, getting uh, teams set up in every country in South America. We'll be reaching out to the universities in Colombia and um, in in uh, Venezuela, Argentina, Chile, and in 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 each case, we'll be talking to universities about engaging their students. Um, students in business, students in, in engineering and environmental science, and they'll have a chance to work on a project that really makes a difference in the world and, and for the, 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 um, the environment, and, 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 and as well as advancing their own career. They will see how to create a business model, how to sell um, uh, a very important technology to countries that don't have the resources to buy it. We'll see a way of uh, how we do the marketing on a global scale. Um, and so we think we can put together um, about a dozen countries that we will work with over the next the rest of this year in Africa, in South America, and in Asia. And that will bring with the countries we're working in now to about 50 countries by the end of the year. And then, of course, we'll have learned a lot by doing this and we'll be next year would be more efficient more effective i think we can cover get our volunteers in all the other countries by the end of 22. my my, my goal is that, that 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 any country any island country in the middle of the pacific that sends two badminton players to the olympics we need a volunteer there <laughs> that's, that's a good way of looking now you know you're, you're no um you're not strange to this sort of work you've already mentioned you've done a lot of work with chemists without borders which is essentially do, doing something very similar getting a, a group a worldwide group of volunteers to cooperate and work with a, a shared goal um and it sounds like this this is going to be fantastic for a fantastic opportunity for for people in in the environmental field as well as students and, and people who want who want to make a difference 
in terms of the the goals of the of, of uh, the Army of Volunteers for Earth in promoting new and uh, innovative technologies, is the is is that is the recruitment of volunteers the only thing you're going to do there? Is is, is that the sort of main goal of this, or do you have other um, other tools in promoting those technologies? Yeah, we uh, the, the the recruitment of volunteers is a key part, but we're, we're going to supplement that with um, a communication strategy. We'll be using social media. We'll be publishing technical papers, um, uh, getting articles into magazines and newspapers. Um, why I've been interviewed a couple times by various journalists, um, and, and in particular, a graduate student in journalism at UC Santa Cruz. And uh, I think we can engage these student journalists, the journalists to generate lots of papers and uh, lots of countries in the world to raise the awareness. So raising awareness, public awareness and, and awareness in the industry is um, that will, will be supplement the recruitment of volunteers. Well, thank you, Jen. Really, really nice to thank you. Great. Brilliant. Thank you. I think I was. So that brings us to the end of this episode. My thanks to Ray and Kevin for joining me in that discussion. If you want to know more about Army of Volunteers for Earth, you can visit their website at armyofvolunteers.org. And if you want to know more about what Kevin and Emergent Waste Solutions are working on, then you can visit their website at ewscanada.com. Finally, if you have any questions for us or want us to explore any particular topics in future episodes, then please email me at podcasts at newfields.com. Thank you very much for listening and I hope you'll join me again next time. Bye bye.